dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Christ is born. Glorify Him. <laughs> you're the worst. I knew you were going to something like What's that. What's wrong? <laughs> Stop it, please. You're horrible. Um, Actually, my, my normal voice will probably think I'm mocking you. Can you hear that I'm sick at all? Not even a little bit. No. Okay. Um, but I, yeah. So I asked Father Michael before we started recording if maybe we shouldn't record because I feel healthy enough to record, but my voice is obviously different than usual. And I thought maybe it would be too obnoxious and that people wouldn't be able to listen to it. So I'm really sorry if this is horrible for you to listen to, but this is my life right now. Um, and we eventually you should just save this one for the great fast so that it's a penance on <laughs> um, this would actually be a good one for the great fast my topic today but yeah. um, I but that's ironic because we're in a non-fasting period like yep. it's a Friday and I ate meat nice yeah I had a bowl of taco meat for lunch <laughs> um, <laughs> the because we are in between as we record this we are in between Christmas and Theophany Eve, during which time there is no fasting, even on Wednesday and Friday. Why are you hesitating? Is there only face? always one Friday in between those two? Probably. Okay. That's yeah. just a weird way of putting it. I've always heard you just no fasting the Friday after Christmas. Well, but it's but, not on Wednesday either. Like, there's no fasting at all in between. Oh, that's until right. You, you crazy nuns. See, just mo- most humans just think of only a Fridays. That's so. Yes, I hear you. Whatever. It's um, not very Byzantine. I, I appreciate your your shock at at our weakness. So we're recording today, despite my lack of voice, because we haven't recorded for a few weeks, actually a couple weeks, because. I got sick, so we canceled, and then Father Michael got sick, and then Father Michael was traveling, and in the meantime, I got bronchitis from getting sick, and um, now I'm on like Hulk smash level of steroids, and uh, it's pretty crazy. So, But the steroids are definitely working, because uh, we were talking about this the other day, Father Michael, but I for for about a week... I didn't get more than like an hour or two of sleep a night because I was just up coughing all night because of the bronchitis. And um, my our doctor is just this beautiful Catholic man who like we have his personal contact info and because um, he's a friend of the monasteries. And so he called in a prescription for steroids for me on Christmas Eve, which was very beautiful. Um, and But those didn't work. And so then the other day, he was like, we're going to stop the steroids and we're going to start over with a higher dose. And so we started at a higher dose that like Mother Ileana, the nurse of the monastery, was shocked by. And um, hmm. and then that night I slept 12 hours. So <laughs> I finally slept after a week. So nice. It's great. Yeah. What do, so explain for the noobs, like what do, what do steroids do? Like I don't really you, know. You, you inject them into your arm, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm taking steroids <clears throat> via pills, but they also okay. have like for asthma, like when I was a kid, I used to be on um, an inhaler that had steroids. Um, 
but I'm just doing pills. But um, I don't know what they actually do. Um, like I don't know how yep. they're fixing the problem, but they are. But I do know that it lowers your immune system, which is not good. Uh, and um, you get like, uh, I mean, I've talked about this when I've been on steroids before, which is funny. Like I haven't really been on steroids for basically my entire life. And then the last year I've been on steroids like three or four times. Um, so we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I get really, um, like some people get like physically anxious, like their body, like they have all of this extra energy. Mm. Um, like when mother Petra's on Roid steroids. Rage. Yeah. Um, when mother Petra's on steroids, she's sometimes using the elliptical at like two in the morning. Um, and I've done that before too, but for me, it more like gives me mental anxiety. Um, like more than usual. <laughs> um, but I seem to be okay this time around, maybe because I'm finally sleeping. Um, nice. They, yeah, it can, can also cause insomnia, but I think I just was so sleep deprived that um, that didn't happen to me this time. So, so Dr. Mariel, um, I'm, I'm actually hanging out with her tonight at FNL, but she's my my medical corrective. And maybe when we so Dr. Mariel, when you when I see you after you listen to this, then let me know what steroids do. <laughs> um, but also when we have uh, Mother Eliana on, we can ask her. That can be her topic. All of our medical questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but we also. Um, I also was getting some kind of infection, like maybe the start of pneumonia or something like that. So, um, so I also had to start antibiotics. Um, and yeah, it's just been like, this has been the craziest year for me ever for um, sickness. Like, it's just been so insane um, with COVID and the hives and um, this horrible chest cold or flu or whatever that I got. And then the bronchitis. And, um, and there's like something else going on right now that I'm trying to figure out that I'll tell you about after. <clears throat> but um, it's just been so insane. So... Yeah, um, this has been an insane year for me. So I was for being just happy, <laughs> and joyful. <laughs> I can't handle you. I'm um, like our Lord, give me consolations. <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I need to stop joking about that because it's it's actually true, as you know. But <laughs> it's like I I know I know people have had a really really rough year. So yeah, well maybe we're all having rough years so that you can have. I'll offer up no. Stop. <laughs> I'll I'll offer up my. Didn't Teresa Little Flower say that you can also offer up your joys? Probably. I should offer up all my joys for for those who need it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, talking about illnesses actually leads really well into my topic. So, I knew it. Um. You knew it. Oh, do it. Oh. Just like. I thought you said I knew look, it. I have no idea like, what it is. Yeah. Charity and charity and humility. Um, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know that from my opening prayer. So the way this came about, uh, this is something I've been praying about a lot recently. It came about because I was like struggling with some things, um, that I thought were unrelated to, um, something I was praying with on a jog. And then I realized the two are very much related. So, mm-hmm. As I was on a jog um, a couple weeks ago, this was before the bronchitis. Um, although I did the elliptical today for the first time since the bronchitis, and it went really well. And I read a little nice. bit of Winnie de Pooh in the Espanol, and it was nice. very delightful. So anyways, um, a couple weeks ago, I'm on this jog, and I was just thinking about how like every time I get some sort of um, 
some sort of illness, really of any kind, it's like a setback in the um, the autonomic disorder that I have, right? The POTS, um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So it's a setback in cardiac rehab like every time I get sick. And I was thinking about this on my jog because um, I was recovering some from something else. And, uh, and so I was just jogging kind of slowly. And then I was thinking about how strange it probably is. Like, I have this experience of, I look like a very healthy person. Like, I'm, um, I'm pretty trim. I'm, like, seemingly athletic and things like that. And so from outside appearances, I'm perfectly healthy, except right now, right? Like, well, I can't speak. But, um, and, and that leads to... Um, to like misjudgment, I find. So I was thinking of a time that I was with a, a priest friend of mine and we were going up like three flights of stairs and he's just flying up these stairs and he knows that I have pots, but he also I'm sure is like not thinking about the fact that um, like going upstairs, like any any change in... um like elevation and things like that are particularly hard for me because of the pots. And I'm, of course, too prideful to say anything. So I'm just like flying up along with him, even though my heart rate is probably like 190. Um, <laughs> and, um, and again, because like from the outside, I appear perfectly healthy. Um, and in fact, even like in really good shape. Um, and... And I was thinking of how this is hard for me sometimes to have this like misjudgment um, because I'm too embarrassed sometimes to just say something like I need to go slower or something like that. And uh, and that just got me thinking about in general how we judge appearances. And I started thinking about how we judge appearances in physical ways like this. So I remember hearing someone and I've probably even been this person myself, like when I was younger, honestly. But I remember hearing someone one time just go on this rant, or maybe it was online, I don't remember, but going on this rant because they had seen someone park in a handicapped parking spot mm-hmm. and then get out of the car, and they were quote-unquote clearly not handicapped. Yeah. Um, and they were just like going on this rant about how disrespectful this is and how rude and how like someone who's actually handicapped needs that spot. And... When I saw this, I remember being like really hurt by it because I was thinking about my brother who um, was injured in Iraq. And when he was injured, um, he broke both of his um, legs. So he had casts on both legs. And, um, and for a while, they actually thought that like he might eventually in life need to have his legs amputated, um, both of them, because... Uh, it was so hard for him to use them that they were worried about like atrophy and stuff. Mm. And so he he still walked. Um, obviously, after the casts were removed and stuff, he still walked, um, but it was really difficult for him to walk and he was in a lot of pain. And so like he had to take painkillers every day just to be able to walk. Uh, and so the more he walked, obviously, the more it would hurt. Mm. And so he had a handicap parking um, and he would use it so that he wouldn't have to walk as far but when he gets out of the car, he looks like a perfectly healthy man. He can he looks like he can walk fine. And so 
I'm just like, I'm reading this thing online or hearing this person say it or whatever it was and just thinking like, but that could have been my brother and you would have thought the same thing about him. And so maybe you're just wrong. <laughs> and um, and so to go to go a little bit further in the physical sense, and then I want to spiritualize this. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then I want to spiritualize this. Um, I see this happening a lot today with just the COVID situation, right? And you and I were talking about this the other day, Father Michael, because uh, I won't go into the situation, but like um, someone was yelling at me until I cried <laughs> um, about like <laughs> in the middle of a church um, about COVID. And, and it's like, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even wanting to call out one side or the other because I just, I see so much judgment on both sides yeah. regarding COVID. Like, there's so much judgment from the mask wearers of people who won't wear masks. And there's so much judgment from the non-mask wearers of people who do wear masks. And it's just like, and, and a lot of that judgment is happening like purely on what we're seeing or what we're perceiving rather. Um, and like, it's really hard for me. I'm very self-conscious going anywhere in public right now because I have this cough from bronchitis but it's purely asthma. And my doctor knows it's purely asthma and asthma is not contagious. But I know that other people are judging me for it because they think that I'm going to kill them all. Um, so anyways, we see this a lot right now, um, especially in the midst of the pandemic, I think. But, um, but then that le- led me to thinking about how we form these judgments um, in a spiritual sense as well. Do you want to make any comments before I talk about the spiritual sense? Um, no, okay. I think I'll, I'll save that for later. Okay. So um, I was recalling a few years ago when I was in a conversation with a friend who, uh, this friend has just always been a practicing Catholic, always been, you know, pretty devout and, um, and serious about their faith and all of that. And like, that's good and beautiful. Um, and that's great. I'm not like desirous for people to not be practicing their faith. But uh, that's the background of this this friend. Um, that's not my background. <laughs> um, and so I remember talking with her and she she was talking about a particular person who... Sorry, my bad. Can you just go back and start that? What, what happened with the friend? You just weren't listening, right? Yeah. Um, so um, <laughs> my mind just totally wandered for a second. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's fine. I haven't gotten into okay. what happened with the friend. This is Thank just. You. I was giving the background. This is like a devout friend who's like never struggled with their faith and okay. has okay. always Got practiced it. their yep. faith. So okay. as we're <laughs> as we're talking, um, that's really great. Um, so normally, I could like figure out what <laughs> happened before. I'm like, shoot, I just, I have no idea what she, um, what she started with. That's great. I've that. totally done that to you on the podcast. I've been like, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Can you say that again? Um, so the, uh, as we're talking, she's talking about a person who has like fallen away from the faith. And she was just like, I I can't even imagine. She She says, can you imagine like, just living without the sacraments? Can you imagine just like not even going to church on Sunday? Can you imagine like what life would be like if you did that? And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can. Cause like that was my life for several years. Um, and, but to her, it was just like so incomprehensible. Um, and, and similarly, like 
maybe even in the same conversation, I can't remember, but it was definitely the same friend. Um, we saw someone, a woman, who was very immodestly dressed. And she just was like, um, she was just like shocked by how anyone could do this, like how anyone could be dressed this way. Like, doesn't this woman realize her own dignity? Doesn't this like, doesn't this woman realize the way men are looking at her? Doesn't she realize what she's asking? You know, like all of these things. Um, and she's just like, can you, again, she's like, can you even imagine like wearing something like that? And I was like, yeah, I used to dress like that all the time. Um, and um, and it's just like, we and and in fact, like I can I can think of so many reasons why someone would dress like that, that aren't even necessarily like horrible reasons. Like they're just they're disordered for sure. And it's it's like I'm not saying it's good by any means, but there are reasons, and it's not just because this person is a horrible human being. Um, and so. Um, so we do this in ways also of like judging someone's like not just judging their physical capabilities which is what I started with but judging their motivations their reasons and often judging they um judging their moral state uh which is just a very very dangerous place to be like judging whether or not someone else is in a state of grace specifically yeah. Yeah. um is a very dangerous place to be um, and so I, I want to come back to that, but first I want to talk just a little bit about, um, where I realized how this ended up connecting with this thing that I've been struggling with and where I've realized that I've been very judgmental. So it sounds like this podcast is all about like how I see other people being judgmental, <laughs> but really it's about, um, <laughs> where I realized I've been very judgmental, um, in my life recently. And I wanted to, um, kind of vulnerably share that a little bit with um, with our listeners. Uh, do you have any comments you want to make before I do that? Um, sure. I, I, I have I have a bunch, so I don't want to like to distract you too much. Um, should I wait? Um, no, I can. I can. This is a good transition point. Okay. I'll give okay. you six minutes and twenty seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, okay. So I I I I've. I've had the same experience where I have been so, <coughs> um, I have felt so ashamed when I have judged someone wrongly and then realized that I did that. And, um, but I've had such moments of conversion in, in those moments. Like it's, it's, it's impacted me so much, not enough, obviously, but it's impacted me so much that, that I, that I am getting better at doing that where I, I, I almost always assume the best and it comes pretty, pretty quickly to my head to assume the best. Like it was first I judge of course, but then like my reminder to self to assume the best comes more and more quickly. I should say more and more, um, uh, quickly after the judgment, um, and and it's one of those things like where I've, I've begun to to learn that I should be assuming the best um, and assuming weakness and unhealth, as I've said. But like as someone hears confessions, like everybody is weak, and this is what I think is the benefit of the ancient way of you know, following the, the scriptures very deliberately and saying, you know, confess your sins to one another. 
You know, I think that's in James, John or James, I think James, right? Confess your, confess your sins to one another. Like if we all were constantly hearing each other's confessions, we would understand how weak everybody is. Those who look the strongest are just as weak as I am. And, and we're all in our different ways. And, and we're, we all have a certain unhealth. So even like your, your friend who is, who is judging these various people, like that judgment comes out of, a deep unhealth. Mm-hmm. And I, and I actually think that, that when we, when we say that the church is a hospital for sinners, like that, that is, that is the, since most, most churches tend to be filled with people that are self-righteous because we don't understand what church is. We think church is something we've somehow earned or this pew we've earned or this ministry we've earned, which is just not true. So the church tends to be full of very self-righteous people. It attracts very self-righteous people, which is on the church, on us, in other words, to fix. Um, but but that is a deep unhealth. Any any judgment that comes that is mistaken, whether it's of why someone's dressing immodestly or judge someone's moral character or judge the state of someone's soul or judging whether they're getting out of a car um, in a handicapped spot, like like that judgment is an unhealth. It, it, it is a a great weakness that needs to be overcome. And so the church, I think, can can focus on those type of weaknesses first. Um, but this is where I still struggle. You know this mother very very well. Like I. Still struggle with finding the the right path, the the thin line to walk on between never judging anybody and and always just judging ourselves and judging other people out of love. The scriptures mm-hmm. mention both, right? So th- th- there, there's a wisdom here to judging that needs to be done. And it's just, I think it takes our whole life. We need to pray that we do it lovingly and gently and things like that. But I do, what I wrote down was um, like always assume that when someone is acting wrongly or hurtfully in some way, assume that they're acting out of a weakness or unhealth that God is trying to fix and that hopefully they are trying to fix whether they see it or not. So I assume that they're working out of, uh, and again, arrogance is a deep unhealth. I mean, arrogance is like, all of these things is just, it's, it's a deep unhealth and it's a brokenness. Um, And then use that as a, as an opportunity to immediately focus on the self and say, how am I doing that exact thing? Yeah. Um, I'm going to, pause there and move on because um, I'm going to get to the remedies of being judgmental a little bit, which you're starting to touch on, which is really good. Um, Well, then just one thing that I just want to say about this is I do think... I do think in this day of social media that I know you're not tied into mother, but because it, it's just a human God. thing, social media is kind of <laughs> is kind of reacting out of out of out of um, a place. But we tend to uh, this is human. We we tend to emphasize the extremes, and so I mean, j- just like like the experience you had in in the church, like that was still only one woman in the whole church, right. you know? And, and, and it is so like, but the people, the people that are the most loving and most hateful always get the attention. And, and I mean, that's how it is. Like, especially with social media, that's why I brought up social media, you know, people will flip out over one person on what, well, what one person said on social media. And I used to be this way. I used to do the same thing. And I'm like, you know, it's like, there are hundreds of people in this world, hundreds of people in this world, you know, like there are billions of people in this world, like, like, and, and we all have a deep unhealth. Like, why are we worried about what one of these people who are probably broken are, are, are saying or doing or flipping out about or having a meltdown about when we can say, 
I'm going to, I'm going to assume that they are coming out of a place of brokenness or unhealth mm-hmm. and I'm going to pray for them briefly. And then I'm going to say, but how do I need to change? Is there something I can do to change or to, in other words, because, because I'm the only one I can control. So these can be little catalysts, little evils that our Lord allows um, in order for good to come from it. And, and if, if I can say, okay, this is, I'm hurt by this. It, it, it insulted me or, or I'm just really sad that they're hurting themselves by being this way. This TSA agent, um, I was at the airport yesterday and I walk up and like the people, the guy in front of me dropped his ID and the, the TSA agent was kind of a heavier guy and he kind of like barely fit into the little COVID booth where they had him accepting IDs. That's like uh, the ID fell, but it was in a place where the guy that dropped the ID couldn't go because it was behind the, behind the screen. So this guy had to get out oh, of his chair, <laughs> like squeeze himself out of the booth, bend down, pick up the ID, squeeze back into the booth and he just he was not having it like this guy's like i'm so sorry and he's like he just didn't even acknowledge the guy's apology or anything then i get up there and i'm like oh this guy's a this guy's in a bad mood and i walk up there and, and there was no tsa pre-check and i had like all my stuff in my bag and my sh- and i was like I, I don't have it ready for a for non-tsa like I, I my computer is not accessible so i walk up there and he hands me a card this is the denver airport he hands me a card that says like oh you get you, you, since you have TSA pre-check, you get to go through this other thing. Mm. I'm like, oh, and I said, oh, does this mean I, but I, do I still need to take my computer out? And he goes, I think that's what it says. And I was like, read the card is what he was saying <laughs> to me. He's like, read the card. And I'm like, okay, got it. Thank you, bro. <laughs> Just go through. But I'm, I'm like, you know, it, it's, I, I let that, like, I laughed at it, but I still let it get me down. I'm like, he's one TSA agent. Let him have a bad day, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. Um, this is still a small percentage. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about uh, just a little bit where I've realized that recently I've been very judgmental because I didn't realize I was being judgmental. Um, so I think it's like a subtlety of judgmentalism. Is judgmentalism a word? I know what it means. Okay. They know what it means. Listeners know what it means, so it's not. Um, so I think it's a subtlety and kind of a more like... Um, Subvert. I also don't know if that's a word. I'm gonna stop trying to use other words um, to say that I'm a very judgmental person. So, uh, three ways that I've realized recently I've been judging other people. Um, so, some things have come up where people have expressed um, their opinions or changes that they want to make in their lives or or things like that to which I have a very strong reaction. Um, the reaction has been internal, interior. Um, like I've at least grown in that I didn't just explode on them. Uh, but but I could feel interiorly a very strong reaction, um, like opposing the thing that they're saying. And then I had to go sit with that in prayer because like the things that they were saying, first of all, they were talking about their own lives. Um, not about me. And so like, why am I reacting so strongly to this? Second of all, the things that they're saying are not objectively wrong. Um, So why is it so unsettling to me? And so like all of these things that just like, I realized that my response, not response, my reaction was not um, matching up with the things that they were saying, at least uh, the the degree of it. And so, um, and you and I have talked about this recently in spiritual direction, but like, so I had to sit and pray with like where that was coming from. And I realized that there are three different places that it was coming from. And they all were coming from a place of judgment. Why? I'm going to quote you because you, you often, I'm saying to me, which makes me feel really good. You go, 
that's a very healthy response. <laughs> You'll say to me like, if 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 I if I'm trying to like find good in something or like. <laughs> Here's another way to look at it. Like that's a very healthy response. I want to say that to you. Like that's a very healthy response you just said. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so, <clears throat> the the three ways, the three places that I I've realized the the judgment is um, that that the reaction is coming from that all end up being judgment. Um, there's a fourth way actually, in which. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, so one of the ways is that something that that one of these people is saying um, is is something that I feel convicted by, and I feel convicted by it. I feel like it's probably something I need to work on in myself, and I don't want to. And so I'm going to judge what they're saying mm-hmm. and think of all the reasons that they're wrong and why could they be thinking this and they're over whatever um, so that I don't have to act out of this conviction that I'm feeling. Um, the second being that um, I'm comparing myself to them in what they're going through um, in a way that I shouldn't be comparing myself. So it's kind of like, it's a little bit linked to the conviction thing, except it's actually the situation in which I'm thinking I should be convicted. And so I should be receiving what they're saying and applying it to myself. But actually, I'm in a different place. What they're being convicted of right now is not the thing that I need to be convicted of right now. And so because I know that it doesn't apply to me, I then am judging them for thinking it and for applying it to their own lives. Um, Instead of just being able to look at it in a healthy way of like, oh, the Lord is convicting them of this. He's not convicting me of this. And that's beautiful. He's working in our lives in different ways. Like instead, I'm just like, no, this isn't true for me, so it shouldn't be true for you. Um, and um, and then the third way, um, the third way that I've been judgmental in this is just a pure, it's just a very simple projection, right? Like um, I'm projecting my own motivations, my own wounds, my own reasoning onto what this person is saying. So like, if I were to say the thing that they're saying, this is what it would mean. This is where it would be coming from. But they don't have the same wounds as me. They don't have the same reasons as me. And um, so it's just a a pure projection. Um, And so so those are the the three ways in which I feel like it's been... um, very judgmental and like the judgment is, is manifesting in different ways. Um, and then there's a fourth thing that I want to add in there. That's where this strong reaction is coming from. That's not judgment, but do you want to respond to any of those three things first? No, I I was going to, I was going to say the third one if you didn't. Um, that's, that's, that's one thing that I, I've often, again, through self conviction, but also judgment of others said is that oftentimes when we get, when we get mad and judge someone's motives, like judging behavior is is what we should be doing with, with those we love. You know that that behavior. I want to share with you that I feel that is destructive to you, to me, to others. Um, judging motives. I heard a quote the other day that from somebody. It was a, I think it was a business leader that just said, "Never." Maybe it was um, what's his name, Michael Hyatt, um, who was an Orthodox deacon. Like like he. Uh, he said, "Just never judge motives mm-hmm. like that. That that is that is one of the that is one of the signs of someone who is not 
meant to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone who judges motives is is not someone that you want to follow. In other words, um, and so when we, but when we do when we do judge motives, um, the uh, sorry, I'm getting text and they're probably up on my screen and it's it's. <laughs> little pearls. Um, when we do judge motives, what we're saying is, is, is what one of the things that we could be saying is, is if I was in their shoes in my present state, this is why I would have done this, you know. Yeah. But I'm not them, you know. And it's the same thing with social media. I've said before, you know, we assume that everybody is exposed to the same information I am. But but now the news is so personally moderated that I expose myself only to the news and the the voices I want. But I assume everybody is. Therefore, someone who acts differently than me, I judge as being evil or or just stupid, you know. Anyway, yeah. Thank you. Um, we had, you know, I I can't remember if I brought this up on the podcast before, but. Um, we were talking with a, a psychologist recently who's a friend of ours and um, and she she made a point that's like so obvious and yet it was so profound for me and it's actually like changed the way I am in community life. She said, empathy is not thinking, how would I feel if I were in this person's shoes? Empathy is thinking, how would I feel if I were this person in this person's shoes? Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what you're saying, right? It's like, it's not about, you know, we, I mean, this has just already become so applicable in our community as we've like tried to live this out and, and realized like, um, you know, I had one of the, one of the nuns said to me, like, um, she realized that she, um, had misjudged something because for, for for this exact reason, like she just assumed that what I was saying was like the motivations that she was. Anyways, I'm just repeating everything you're saying, so I'm going to stop now. But yes, um, that's what real empathy is, and I think that that's important. Like um, that. <clears throat> but the fourth thing, so this is going into the nuance that. Like you touched on this a little bit ago, but I did want to make the nuance that um, we should absolutely judge actions. Like I'm not saying that we should never judge anything. I'm saying that we shouldn't judge anyone. Like, um, like we shouldn't right. judge the state of someone's soul. I'm not in any way promoting moral relativism. I'm not in any way saying that there's not objective truth, that there's not objective good, that there's not objective beauty, um, because there's all of these things. And so we absolutely, I'm not saying that we should just like let wrongs happen in the world and just like be like, oh, well, I can't judge, so I'm just going to let them happen. Like we need to fight injustice and we need to fight evil and, and all of these things. Um, and there's a balance to this that I've not yet figured out. Um, but I do want to share, um, in a little bit, I'm going to share a couple of things that some of the fathers say about this balance. Um, but, but by and large, they tend towards like, just focus on yourself, um, in, in the sense of growing in holiness, not like in a selfish way. Um, but so given that nuance, the fourth thing, um, like I, I said that the, the three places that my strong reaction was coming from that were judgment. But the fourth way that the, like the fourth place that the reaction was coming from as I sat with it in prayer is like, there actually were parts of it that I think were incorrect that this person was expressing. And that were, um, like I was, some of the unsettled, like my unsettled response was from that place. But 
it was almost like until I could see these three major areas I was being judgmental, I couldn't see that truth of the the like, oh, like they're actually wrong here because um because when we're when we're focusing on that above our own sin, when we're focusing on the other sin above our own, then there's just this entire um like we're just seeing things through the wrong lens and things are distorted. Um, and it's all, which, which is why I think my reaction was so out of proportion. It was so disproportionate because it was flipped upside down because I was focusing first on their sin and then on mine. Um, okay. And um, yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so I want to share two passages um, from this book, this book that I've been this book that I've been reading that I've quoted from before, and it's called "Wounded by Love," um, which is the life and wisdom of Saint Porphyrius. Uh, and I don't think I've given this disclaimer on the podcast before, so I want to give it now because I've quoted from this book I think a few times. "Wounded by Love" is a very, very good book. I've read it a couple times now. Um, have you ever read it, Father Michael? No. Okay. Um, and, um, but I want to give the disclaimer in case you are going to read this book because I've quoted it, that like, there are a couple places in the book that I think are very wrong. <laughs> um, and, um, so I don't want you to just read this and necessarily take it all as like, um, just, yeah, um, but I think part of the reason for that, I want to give the context. Um, the book is actually not like, it's not like Porphyrius just wrote all these things down. Um, it's a compilation of um, some, um, um, like some, I think it was nuns, I don't remember, but it was um, some of his spiritual children that he'd been speaking to. Um, they kind of transcribed the conversations and compiled them. And so it's like from specific conversations with him. So I want to give the context of like, there are things that when, we, when we're in a one-on-one conversation with someone, um, taken out of context of the conversation could yeah. be very misleading. And yeah. so it could be that like, he might say this thing to this person because he knows this person is completely scrupulous. And he might say this opposite thing to this person who's way too lax. Um, And so I I just want to give that that context as well. Um, Those aren't the passages that I'm sharing, but there are a couple passages in here that um, I just like, yeah. So um, there are two passages I want to share. And the first is this, and this one was very convicting for me um, because it's exactly what I was just talking about. A nun, a nun who was very concerned that life in her monastery should be perfectly ordered came to her spiritual father in exasperation and said, Sister so-and-so is disrupting the whole monastery with her problems and her character. We simply can't endure her. Her elder replied, You are worse than she is. To begin with, the nun was taken aback and protested. But after her elder explained things to her, she understood what he meant and was very pleased. What her elder said was, The evil spirit that takes hold of the other nun and causes her to behave badly takes hold of you too, even though you think you are in a better state, and it makes a mockery of you both. The other nun gets into the state she does without wishing to, but you, with your overreaction and lack of love, do exactly the same. In that way, you do no good to your sister 
and you yourself are harmed. Um, so his whole point, right, is that like her lack of charity and her choosing judgments and her choosing criticism and all of these things um, are allowing this this same evil spirit into herself, but hers is much more choice than the nun who's just acting out of her woundedness. Yeah. Um, That's beautiful. Especially that that he identifies it as the same demon. Yeah, I mean that that's a, that's a very powerful thing. The demon that she's reacting so strongly against is is the same demon that 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 is is in a sense empowering her and enabling her to react that strongly. Right. You know that that that's the the brilliance of evil. Um, you know to turn to turn. I was talking about that. Hopefully, I mean this is, this is a really hard article, but the pillar wrote the article about that about that priest in Cleveland um, who. Uh, who was, who was, just he was abusing and manipulating, and he was acting like he was the one that was going to help the abused at the same time, and 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 so he was further abusing these young men by by acting like the one who was going to protect them from the abuser when he was the abuser. It was just it was it was evil. It was it was the brilliance of evil, and. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think I can. I don't think that's judgmental. Um, I gotta, you know, when when I, when I say that, there, I think that needs to be pointed out for what it is. Um, but but the uh, but yeah, it's the same thing. Like the devil will will get us to judge, and it's the same demon that was that was influencing the one, even if if they were doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the second the second passage I want to share, also from Wounded by Love, um, is very related to um, to what I was saying about like this conversation about can you even imagine how this person could dress this way? Um, so he says, we shouldn't be discouraged, nor should we rush to conclusions, nor judge on the basis of superficial and external things. If, for example, you see a woman immodestly dressed, don't have regard only for her outward appearance, but look more deeply into her soul. She may be a very good soul with an existential restlessness, which she expresses through her shocking appearance. She has a dynamism within her, the power of self-projection. She wishes to attract the eyes of others. But through lack of awareness, she has distorted things. Think what would happen if she were to come to know Christ. She would believe and she would turn all her passion towards Christ. She would do everything to attract the grace of God. She would become a saint. It is a kind of self-projection of our own when we insist on other people becoming good. In reality, we wish to become good, but because we are unable to, we demand it of others and insist on this. And whereas all things are corrected through prayer, we often are distressed or become outraged and pass judgment on others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's also this aspect of like, judgment can be such a hindrance in... Um, in allowing for this capacity for God. Um, like I, I, very, I very much feel like that was my situation, right? Like I was this woman that he's describing and um, I was the sinful woman who, um, or the, the woman who, who poured ointment, who like loved much because she was forgiven much and who um, just like turned all of this sinful love into a um, more purified, becoming ever more purified love for the Lord. Um, and just this like, there's this, there's this great zeal that can be redirected to the Lord. And if we can see that, 
um, and see that deeper reality as opposed to just judging the external, then we're allowing for this capacity for God. Um, and because it's very much, you know, I think like, um, don't be lukewarm or he'll spit you out, but like the cold or the hot, um, at least have these extremes that can, can be directed in the right, the right place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that's beautiful too. So I want to say a couple quick things about, um, before we end about how to, just as I was praying with this, like how to overcome being judgmental. Um, and so I think that there are, um, the, the first, the first and I think simplest thing is to fight acting out of judgment. Right. So, um, so I think that's the place where I was at, where I was saying like, I reacted so strongly to this person. I didn't act out of it, but I at least saw it in myself. Um, but, um, that's the very first thing is to resist the acting out of it. Um, as you, as these judgmental thoughts come up, um, to start fighting there. The second thing I think is to allow space for you to be wrong. So, um, you know, I've, I've started like, if I'm, if I'm judging someone who just cut me off in traffic um, and I, I feel the anger come at them, then I try to just think of any reason that they could have cut me off um, that wouldn't be deserving of that, of like, they just got a phone call that their grandma died and they're just so distracted by the grief or they're um, like rushing to the hospital for whoever or whatever it is, you know, it's like, um, it's like there's this, there's this, um, concept in, um, in math, but also in philosophy, in any kind of like, um, proof using logic that like, if you can find even just one circumstance to fit into this, to disprove this, then the proof doesn't exist. And so, um, so if you can even think of just one reason that maybe your judgment is wrong, I think that can help to dispel the judgment. Um, the third thing is, um, to pray for the one that you're judging. And this has been probably the most helpful thing for me. Um, St. Mark, St. Mark the ascetic says, it is better to pray devoutly for your neighbor than to rebuke him every time he sins. And so, um, so absolutely pray for the person that you're judging. But then the fourth thing, um, and this is, I think what you were touching on earlier, Father Michael, uh, those first three things, are really just band-aids in my mind. Um, because like you're saying, Father Michael, like you were saying earlier, the judgment is actually coming from a place of our own brokenness, right? Like there's something in us that's broken that's causing us to judge. And so those three things are like, they're band-aids in the sense of they're addressing the judgment when it happens, but they're not addressing the being judgmental in and of itself. Mm. And so I think to address the wound itself to address that brokenness, um, what we really need is to foster humility within ourselves. So um, St. John of Carpatho says, if you always behave with humility before the Lord, you will never show arrogance toward anyone. And so I think it's really as we, as we learn humility, particularly before the Lord, that's when we're able to become humble with others. Um, and I wanted to share... Um, just in conclusion, 
two quick um, two quick excerpts. Um, one from John Chrysostom, St. John Chrysostom, and one from Athanasius of Alexandria. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and this one from John Chrysostom touches also on what we were saying, Father Michael, about like, we need to have the balance that it's not about never judging, um, but that it's about our focus uh, and that, that it's really like this brokenness in ourself that needs to be addressed. And I think it's kind of like what I was talking about as I sat with those things in prayer of like, I was eventually able to see where this other person was incorrect, but not until I first saw my own brokenness and my own sin, um, which actually greatly outweighed this other person's um, wrong. So John Chrysostom, this is, this is from his homily on, um, on Matthew 7. The, the Matthew 7, 1 is where um, he says, where the Lord says, judge not that you not be judged, right? This is, this is the verse that's thrown out there all of the time um, to kind of like accuse Christians of being mm-hmm. whatever. So, uh, so John Chrysostom says, in this place then, it seems to me at least, he does not simply command us not to judge any of men's sins, Neither does he simply forbid the doing of such a thing. But to those who are full of innumerable ills and are trampling upon other men for trifles, this is what I was doing, right? I'm full of my own ills, but I'm trampling upon other men for little things. He says also in another place, you who strain at the gnat and swallow the camel. And the Corinthians too, Paul did not absolutely command not to judge, but not to judge their superiors. You see... And this is the part that I underlined in the homily. You see, we ought not to upbraid nor trample upon them, but to admonish, not to revile, but to advise, not to assail with pride, but to correct with tenderness. If you neglect yourself, it is quite evident that neither do you judge your brother with concern for him, but in hatred instead, wishing to expose him. For what if he ought to be judged? It should be by one who commits no such sin, not by you. Um, So I think that Chrysostom's point is that we can't actually be correcting someone else. It's It's the plank in my eye, right? Like we can't actually be correcting someone else if it's coming from a place of like not being aware of our own sin. And that, um, I would say like, if ever you're sensing a pride in your correcting someone, um, then that's not the time to do it. Like our corrections, our admonitions need to come out of out of charity and out of a desire for um, our brother's growth and our brother's holiness, not out of um, our own pride. Um, and then it's this- like that definition of empathy that you said earlier. Um, mm. Where it's you know the corrective to come from a place of not just me trying to be in their shoes to say what would I want corrected, but put myself as if I were in their shoes, you know, and I like to understand to to know how to do that. You have to know them. I mean, you, to to mm. to do that wisely, you have to know them, to know them well enough to 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 say you know what what are their loves, what are their fears, what are their joys, what are their hatreds, you know, what what are what are all the things that allow me to have an insight into their life well enough to say now I can judge not from how I would behave if I were in their shoes, but how they would behave if they were in their shoes. And now I can say, I can, I can give the advice as he mentions in a way that hopefully they will actually find joy in. They will say like you, this is, I sound like I'm telling myself this. When you tell me this, I sound like I'm telling myself this. Um, I'm giving myself advice. And when I give myself advice, as hard as maybe to hear, there's still a certain hope and a joy in that advice. 
Absolutely. Um, so the last the last um, excerpt that I want to share is from um, it's from Athanasius of Alexandria, but um, but really, like this story is a story that we see all over the desert fathers. So um, this is just one small example um, of it. He says, <coughs> a certain brother committed an offense in Skeet, the camp of the monks. And when a congregation was assembled on this matter, they sent after Abba Moses, but he refused to come. Then they sent the priest of the church to him saying, come for all the people are expecting you. And he rose up and came. And he took a basket with a hole in it and filled it with sand and carried it on his shoulders. And those who went out to meet him said to him, what does this mean, father? And he said to them, the sands are my sins, which are running down behind me and I cannot see them. And I, even I, have come this day to judge shortcomings, which are not mine. And when they heard this, they set free that brother and said nothing further to him. But this is like, this is all over the desert fathers, right? Like we always hear these stories, um, Abba Moses in particular, but we always hear these stories about um, the, the monks who say like, um, who just talk about this. It's, it's, it's the concept of I'm the worst of sinners um, because because we can only be aware of our own motivations, we can only actually judge our own motivations, that statement really is true for each of us, that I'm the worst of sinners, because I can't judge the motivations of others. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, amen. One of the things I found that is is also so helpful is just making sure that we are, we're exposed to people that are different than us. You know, because it's it you 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 really begin to learn real quick. And just the example that I can use in this is is moving to LA two years ago. You know, I thought that everybody has it in, seriously been two years. It's been over two years, yeah. Oh my goodness! It's been two years and two months. Um, like I, I thought that people that were in entertainment, like the majority of them, were were kind of hedonists they wanted money they wanted fame they wanted like all the all the things that everybody wants but they had the capacity the ability to do it and so they were doing it but that that's why they were doing it and one of my friends man she just like we were we were just driving around I think picking up another friend from the airport and we we uh she put on a podcast that she really likes and by the kind of this new age guru guy and uh and he was he was like beginning to reflect upon like how how do you? I think he was interviewing an actor or something like that. And my friend was an actress, and and they he was reflecting upon like how do you transition from a role, especially a longer role like a movie where you may be filming for six months and you're you're playing a character. How do you transition not only at the end of the role after the filming is done back to normal life, but how do you transition every day or even like after after a scene to yourself again? And and how can that be traumatic? Because there's this in acting, there's this openness to say, like I'm not going to judge the character. The writers write the character. And I have to put myself into that character without any judgment or I won't be a very good artist. And I guess, to put, make a long story short, what I realized is that my friend, like she loves acting. 
just absolutely, I, I, she loves it for the art of it. You know, as I was literally in the car with her, her publicist was begging her to post on Instagram. And she's like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like Instagram. I don't like posting on Instagram. And her publicist is like, you have to post on Instagram. That's how people find out about this new movie you're in, whatever. And she's just like, fine, I'll do it. But like, she wasn't, she was very obviously in love with the art of acting, with, with saying, I'm going to express somebody else's character. The, mm-hmm. what the writers wrote and the directors are directing, I'm going to express that character and I'm going to, through my own art, bring it to life. What's mm-hmm. on the page, I'm going to bring it to life. And as I bring that character to life, I am going to grow because I'm doing something that's not me. I forget that there's that one angry detective, I'm guessing on, on a, what's that TV show? I've only seen clips of it, but um, with Andy Samberg, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, you guys are yelling into your into your phones right now. Um, I'll think of it in a second. Anyway, there's this there's this one Rosa. I think she she plays this really just like angry, like very judgmental. I don't even know how to describe it. Just very blunt and direct and disagreeable. And and yet I've seen an interview with her, parts of an interview with her, where she's just like the most delightful person ever. <laughs> like she doesn't even look like her face doesn't even look like the character because she's mm-hmm. just talking so like joyfully and delightfully. I'm like that that. I, that is what I learned that many actors, how many actors feel like they just, they love the art of it. And so, and if they, if they become famous, then they become famous. It's, it's like one of the things that has its positives and negatives. Um, but, but what I, what I learned is like, I needed to actually meet an actor to get that. I needed to actually hear from somebody. And, and so there's something about, there was this, I think, show in the eighties where they would put, they would, I don't know how, how parents let this happen, but they would put like, uh, let a black kid, um, live with a white supremacist family for like a week. And I'm like, okay, at least the producers are there and the, and the, and the, and the videographers are there, I'm guessing, but who would let, I mean, I don't know, how do you let your kid go live with someone who hates, who hates yeah. them for some reason? But anyway, they did. And I'm, I'm guessing like people are there all the time to kind of keep an eye on things. But anyway, but it, it was, it was a TV show and it was on primetime. So it was always like this, the happy ending. Now, I don't know if they all ended that way, but like, it's always like this white supremacist family was like, oh, we're not, we're not, you know, racist anymore. And, you know, we just, we just needed this. And I believed it. I still believe it. Like some Sometimes it's just you live like you live around or ex- expose yourself and become become have a certain intimacy in someone's life that 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 is this way like you know hang out with <laughs> women that are dressed immodestly you know and if you can't then then work on it yourself you know yeah. just like like if you can't do that then you know maybe you need to go become a monk on Athos or something like that but but or but you most likely just have lust that you need to work on and then and then at the same time there can usually be a corrective there not always but sometimes a corrective there and once you've been around them and exposed yourself to, to know that that what you probably what you judged the reason why they were dressing that way is probably mostly, if not all wrong, then you're going to have a much better way to, to engage with that reality, whatever that means, whether it's only you that changes or whether you're actually able to, to knowingly and lovingly be helpful to them in a way that, that they find helpful and Jesus finds helpful. Well, and I think that the judgment might even be right, but it might only be right in the superficial sense. Like it's, you know, like Porphyrius was talking about, like he was saying like, Yes, this woman is probably dressing this way in order to the, to attract the eyes of men. But here's the deeper reason that she's wanting to do that, and here's the beauty of what she is like beneath yeah, that. Exactly. Um, and that so was it's a beautiful like quote. you might just be judging like 
the superficial level and not a, not actually like judging the depths um, yep. or yeah, seeing the depths. Um, but I think that's a really good point. Like that's actually a point that I wanted to make that I'd forgotten about is that a lot of our judgment, a lot of our judgment comes from a dehumanization. And so it's like actually encountering the other and actually seeing the person um, assists us in not judging. Um, like this, what you're saying about actually meeting actors and actresses. And um, because I think that, um, you know, it's like, and, and all of us have had this experience, right? Where it's like, um, I can think of a time at the monastery where um, where I was like, um, yeah, someone forgot to unload the dishwasher, whatever it was, right? And then, um, and then the nun who's in the kitchen with me is like, oh, that was actually me. And I'm instantly like humiliated by my own anger, right? And I'm like, oh, that's okay. You were really busy. And like, whatever, you know, yeah. but, um, or it's like, um, you know, this even happens in traffic where you're just like, um, someone cuts you off and you're so angry and then you drive by them and then they're crying and like, you feel like a jerk. Um, and so it's like, we've all had this experience where encountering the actual person instead of the idea of the person helps to dispel the judgment. Yeah. Um, yep. And exactly. it's like how many of us like hate the, the, the um, opposing political party, but then like, do you actually have friends of the opposing political party? Do you actually know people of the opposing political party? Um, because if you can see their humanity and love them, instead of like just hating this idea, I think that's just a very, um, that's also one of the remedies, I think, to, to healing the, the judgment um, or the judgmentalism. Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. And then, and then it, once you know and love someone that you used to judge, it's like, it's, it's very visceral and uh, you begin to abhor judgment. Like yeah. you're just like I, I abhor it. It's not like I. It's not like I'm tempted to do it. Like I'm tempted to you know, uh, be lazy or something like that. Like like it's the, the the temptation over time can go and you you begin to abhor it because you understand how destructive it is. You know, this be the same thing with laziness. Like real laziness, sloth. You know, like yeah. I, I I abhor it. Like it gets me out of bed. It gets me up from a nap. It gets me to sit down at my desk. It gets me to go out and call someone I haven't I need to call. Like because I abhor. The 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 sin because I, I've I've seen firsthand the destruction that it causes and I begin to abhor that sin. I always pray that my I begin to abhor my my bigger sins like that. That'll be a good day. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. That's all. That's all. I I mean I could say a lot more, but I'm gonna stop there. Um, do you have anything else that you want to say before we do all the things? Nope, great topic. Oh, I wanted to give a shout out to, when I read from John Chrysostom, actually it made me think of this. Someone sent me a book, um, I don't know who, there was no note in the package, but someone sent me a book of the letters of St. John Chrysostom to St. Olympia, um, who I think was a deaconess, if I'm remembering correctly, but um, I actually I actually read these letters a couple years ago, um, but I just read them online, like I found them online. Uh, because I I really like most of what John Chrysostom writes, um, or and most of his homilies and stuff. But simply because of the time in which he was writing, some of the things he says just sounds so misogynistic, and um, and I really struggled with that. And so when I found out that he had that this good friend who was a woman, 
Um, I was like, maybe reading his letters to her will help me. Um, and they did. And But I haven't read them for a couple of years, and now I have them in an actual book. And so nice. I'm really excited to reread them. So I wanted to say thank you to whoever sent me that. Um, nice. Yeah. Amen. Um, so I wanted to give that shout out. Also, just like a lot of people have sent things recently. And so thank you to all the, thank you to Pauline for sending us the socks. I found out those yep. came from Pauline. Yep. Um, we need to take a picture with them soon. Like both of us. She wants a picture with both of us wearing them. Um, How do we do that? Like I don't know. <laughs> um, it might not happen until February. We're going to see time. each other in February. Do you realize that? For the Pelos huh? wedding, for the wedding. Oh yes, okay. There we go. I'll try to remember to bring them. <laughs> um, I was like, we don't have anything planned. Like, okay. Um, and so shout out to Pauline, but to, nice. to all the people who have sent like really fun things recently. Someone sent me a tiny saint of Fotina, which yes, um, I, I know so them. So cool. I know them. They're my friends from my from the Albuquerque parish. Oh, if it's if it's if it's the it same is people. it is it is that's um the the oh gosh this is horrible. I knew their last name, and now I can't think of it. Um, yeah, you got one too. I'm oh. holding up Fotina to He's the little camera, Fotina. and um, I love that. It, and and you know what? Ritter, no, not Ritter. That's someone else who sent me something. Shoot. And you know what? Like the the beauty of it is that this may have. I may have influenced the creation of I this. Know. I don't know. I was thinking that when I saw it. No, I you totally know. did because on the back it says it's from Lux. It's from Lux, and, and, and I so am the one you, who And you're the one who introduced We, we chose, Lee and I chose Futina as yeah. the. Uh, so it, I thought a, that was really cool when I saw that. Um, yeah. Shout out to Wendy Ritter, who also sent me like a life profession gift. And just, I've just, there have been lots of things, and I'm sorry that I can't think of everyone's name. Um, it, it, it's a former Wattrell to send them, but, but I, I forget the married name. I'm sorry, Andrea. Um, I have the name, and I'm going to send them a thank you note, but I can't think of it right now. So sorry. Um, mine is too. I don't want to put mine on my keys because I'm afraid it's going to get lost. It's kind of fragile, so I put it on my lamp. Yeah, I think I'm going to put it on like my hoodie, um, my hoodie zipper. I just realized I put it on my lamp, and that's what her name means. Like the, the, <laughs> the light one. Yeah. <laughs> I did um, not do that on purpose. So, anyways, um, if you could all. Um, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you could follow Father Michael on Twitter at Padre Michael O. Are you reading this? No, is that oh, okay. right though? No, it is. You're okay. just you're reading it kind of. It's like you're reading it. Um, and you don't sound very excited about this. We also have. It's just really hard for me. We have Goodreads, and if you could also please um, go on. Um, like Apple Podcasts or whatever and give us um, a rating that's nice and say nice things about us, then um, other people will also um, start listening and stuff. And I think that's everything. We have a Patreon. Oh, shoot, um, we have a Patreon. We have a Patreon and Fotina.org um, is our nonprofit that Patreon supports. Um, thank you, by the way, to all of our patrons, we are getting near a thousand dollars a month, which is you're supposed to. Don't forget, you're gonna forget. Write this down. Put it on your to do list. You need to message. You're gonna message the patrons yes, to ask them if it's okay to give them a shout out. That's the only reason okay. we haven't done it yet. Okay, thank you. That is the only reason we haven't done it yet. Okay, yeah. it's going on my to do list. Okay, you're also supposed to find someone in LA to send out the stickers that we've promised. So do that's that already way. on my to do list. Okay. Yes. 
Oh, yeah, I think I put it there, or Beth did. You probably did. Um, Very passive-aggressively, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> okay, and uh, yeah, Patreon. I'm really excited about it all, actually. It's going to like, I've already had some really um, fun ideas of, of how I want to... Um, um, to like do some of the ministry here in Ohio. So nice. that's good. Um, great. Um, prayer intentions. I'm going to um, ask everyone to think of someone that they've judged recently and um, say an Our Father for them. And that's my prayer intention. It's like a penance. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the only way I can do penances. So. That's true. This is true. Um, well, and I'll just I, ask. Of, I give assignments to like my spiritual children sometimes. Speaking nice. of spiritual children, one of my spiritual daughters, this is, we've been laughing about this a lot at the monastery recently. Um, and she listens to the podcast, so she's going to hear this. But one of my spiritual daughters has a daughter who has like this really adorable throaty voice. Um, and basically like, I sound exactly like her right now. And so we've all been laughing. I'm not saying that I sound adorable because I'm not a child, but, um, but, uh, the we've all been laughing about how I sound exactly like my spiritual daughter's daughter. So that's funny. Nice. All right. I will ask you to please pray for my little, my newest, <laughs> newest, I guess, born niece. Um, we have another baby, a Lachlan baby due in a month, but, um, but Rose, she has RSV and spent some time in the hospital and she's only a couple months old and she's mm. on oxygen and she just looks so cute even in her oxygen but just to pray she's she's on her on a recovery she only needs it when she's sleeping now um but just please pray that she has a full recovery like so many people are sick right now yeah. and just you know and rsv is raging and colds and flus are raging and covid is raging so yeah. um just having a little little baby around all this illness is uh, is a bit scary especially if she's kind of oxygen compromised right now so i'm just yeah. pray for rose okay that would be great all right, Father, can you give us a blessing? May the bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord grant all of you health and a mind that is oriented towards intercessory prayer for those who may need it. May you call to mind those who our Lord is asking you to pray for and to intercede for. May they come into mind quickly and easily and may you ask our Lord through prayer and fasting to assist in the recovery, the health, the healing of those who he wants to heal. And he asks us as members of the one body of Christ to assist in the healing of another member of the body of Christ. Um, may you also be inspired by Mother Natalia's words and this podcast to take the next baby steps in, in a, a life of wholeness and humility and confidence um, that removes little by little according to our Lord's guidance and our Lord's empowering the, the need to judge. And may you find the joy in true humility and the joy in being free of that great burden. And may the Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you, Father. I love you, listeners. Love you too, Mother. Love you all. Bye.